Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. Hey, doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing pretty well today. Uh, we've had... We had some trades go down. Like the trade deadline is only what three days away now, four days away. Yeah, I guess um, I guess five if you count the second because that is going to be a day. But yeah, trade deadline season is here. We got a lot to talk about, and uh, I guess I say we just get into it. You know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, the one of the big one of the first big uh, pins to drop dropped on um. A couple, a couple of days ago. Yeah. I think it was on a uh, Wednesday. Uh, it was, uh, yeah. Andrew Benintendi gets traded from the Royals to the Yankees. Um, and Yankees didn't give up too much, which I don't know. It makes sense. You know, Benintendi. I didn't think they were going to get that much for him. Yeah. Benintendi, Benintendi's, uh, been good, but not, um, great. I, I would say, but he's been a good player consistently over the past couple of years. Um, so what did you, what are, what are you thinking about the uh, Andrew Benintendi trade? I mean, it's interesting to see how, like, you know, as a player, like just based on what he's been doing on the field, I would say Andrew Benintendi has more value now than he did when he got traded from the Red Sox. He was coming off of a really tough year in 2020 where he, didn't play well and he was injured and he was also coming off a down year in 2019 you know it had been just about two years since he had really shown why he was the number one ranked prospect in baseball going into the 2016 season and because of his control at the time I'd say the Red Sox got more for him than the Yankees gave up uh, the second time he was traded but uh, he's having a career year um he's a he's a career low strikeout rate at 13.5 i know yankee fans are gonna love that um he's a walk rate of nine percent that's the highest it's been since 2018 also also excellent um his expected statistics are kind of right around where his uh where his actual statistics are i mean his you know people are going to look at the average versus expected batting average and see a 316 versus a 277 and be like oh no that's not good but his expected batting average is in the 89th percentile. Like it's very hard to have an expected batting average above 300. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's um, that swing, you know, is going to play very well to Yankee stadium. You know, if you're a Red Sox fan or a Yankee fan, you saw it for years. Uh, I think, I think every one of his home runs at Yankee stadium in his career has gone to right field. And he's a guy that can play that short porch very well. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Andrew Benintendi was his first home run at yankee stadium no it was uh in detroit it was in detroit okay yeah um yeah he's had i now i'm now i'm curious at the career splits because i feel like he's maybe it's I'll, i'll look into that right now yeah um 
maybe it's internal uh internal bias but uh and like just thinking yeah I get it, I though. it did it did feel like it did feel like he did well against the yankees when he was with the red sox he had a 795 ops at here he has a 795 ops at yankee stadium um okay. but seven home runs in 29 games which is like that that's more of a like over 162 games it's like over 30 home runs so i think he hit home runs at a higher rate at yankee stadium um i love how it's known as yankee stadium three yeah (laughs) yeah that's true um i mean we're, we're almost at a point where like very few active players played at the old yankee stadium yeah, that's true. Like, I think Brett Gardner was the only surviving Yankee who had done so, and he's no longer on the team. Right, right. Um, but yeah, uh, Benintendi, he kind of, um, like, he's going to be playing left field. That means Joey Gallo is going to be getting much less playing time, I would imagine. Um, yes. I, I would guess they plan to have, like, uh you know, Benintendi out there probably every day. Uh, Judge, of course, is going to be out there every day. Um, and I also think they're going to get uh, Aaron Hicks out there um, and Matt Carpenter uh, because, I don't know. Or Matt, Matt Car- Carpenter has to be out there. Yeah, with Stanton on the, uh, with Stanton on the IL, they'll probably have Carpenter DHing. Um but in, when Stanton comes uh, off the IL, they'll probably have Carpenter out there again um, mm-hmm. because Carpenter has been one of the great surprises of, uh, of 2022. Yeah, um, he has the slugging percentage over 800. He does. He has been struggling to, out of the break, but uh, yeah, what a pickup that has been for that team. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy uh, to say the to say the least, but yeah. I think. I think this trade comes down to like they they sort of made this trade last year getting a left fielder um you know obviously very different types of offensive players but similar offensive production like heading mm-hmm. into the trade if you if that makes any sense but yeah. but like Joey Gallo was supposed to be a guy that could have you know an OPS around maybe 800 that's kind of what he was consistently at before um, he just hasn't been that guy currently as it stands today, he's hitting 159 with a 621 OPS. You know, I was looking at his baseball spot earlier. He's, you know, his strikeout rate is even higher than it was in seasons past. And it was already sky high, uh, as well, along with that, you know, he's, he was hitting the ball softer, um, just a, a really bad season for him. Uh, can't deny that. So I wish, I wish he could have worked out. Yeah, he was. I think I think anyone, I you know, there was a bit of a Yankee bias where it's like, well, who's a Yankee? I don't want him to work out, but I really do wish Joey Gallo worked out. Um, Lindsay Adler of the Athletic. I don't know if you saw this, but this morning she had a a column about uh, where she like talked to Joey Gallo, and he he was very candid, and it was kind of it was kind of hard to read, but he was like, I wanted to play here. I wanted to play well here just as much as everyone else wanted me see, to see me do so, and like. Anytime we're going to look at a Yankee hat or a Yankee uniform for the rest of my life, I'm going to be reminded of my time here, which is, it's sad. Like I, it really is hard to read because 
I think we could almost chalk Joey Gallo as one of those guys that just couldn't get it done in a big market. You know, he, he thrived in Texas. I think he can thrive elsewhere, no doubt. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it really sucks knowing that it just couldn't work out in New York. Yeah, exactly. Um, Like Gallo, I remember, you know, he for a couple months, he was one of the hottest hitters in baseball. Then he got traded to New York and we expected that to play really well. I think that was a pretty big deal when he when he got uh, traded over there. Um, he kind of had average offensive numbers um, from the trade deadline on last year. And then this year it's been um, it's been pretty bad uh, offensively for the idea Gallo. of us. The idea of a Stanton judge Gallo outfield was so fun. Yeah. And like yeah. it just never happened. One, because Stanton like couldn't play the outfield last year. And then Joey Gallo just couldn't earn himself any more playing time this year. But, I mean, it's it, – yeah, he's probably going to get DFA'd if he can't – if he doesn't get traded. Um, right. But I really do think – and I think most Yankee fans even think this, that he's going to do well wherever he goes after after New York. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, Joey Gallo's got plenty of time to um, – plenty of time to develop into the player that – he has the potential to be he's in his age 28 season he's going to be a free agent this year i imagine he'll probably take a one-year deal somewhere um maybe do extremely well there and then get another contract after that i feel like that's the path for him um or i could see him uh where i could see him with the braves yes i think he would play like that ballpark very well i think the braves would would take him on uh I think he fits well into what they're putting together over there, uh, especially with the DH in the National League now. Uh, like, imagine, you know, Matt Olson and Joey Gallo in the same lineup is fun. They used to be division rivals, very similar type of offensive players, uh, you know, left-handed yeah. power hitters. I think I think that's a fit. I think there are plenty of fits, but that's the first one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, I also one of, the, one of the teams that I was looking at is like a – team that could target Benintendi because they had poor left field production was the Braves so Mm -hmm. um I think I think that would be a a fit for them and the Braves have you know they have done that like a thing where they sign a guy for a year and then they kind of uh get back on their feet most notably Mm -hmm. with Josh Donaldson um back in 2019 but I mean, I, there are plenty of fits. Like I could see, I could see Cleveland as a fit. Um, I think Minnesota would be fun. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be fun. That's, for you sure. know, that's already a home run hitting lineup. You add Joey Gallo to that. Uh, I think you got something special going there. Um, there are so many, I could even see like Tampa taking a, taking a flyer on him. Yeah. Tampa. Like, yeah. If he's, if or he's Seattle, if he's like under 15 million a year, I think the Rays could definitely go for him. You know, it would be fun too. I don't think they would do this, but Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. They, he, that would. If he finds it again, he could hit 50. Yeah. Potentially. It'd be very funny seeing him go from like a, an 80 weighted runs created plus season to a 50 home run season in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. That would be. Uh... I don't think the Rock, I don't think the Rockies would do it but it would be so fun. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, um, I'm kind of just thinking out loud, but there are really so many fits for Gallo, and I think it would be very fun to see him in many different places. And New York, unfortunately, just couldn't be one of them. Yeah, New York could not really be one of them. Um, and uh, it's it's time for Andrew Benintendi to shine. Uh, Benintendi, by the way, he's hitting 316 with a 776 OPS. Um, he hasn't uh, been slugging the ball really at all he's slugging 393 but he's getting on base at a 383 rate so you know that's that's Mm -hmm. the fun balance of ops is like you can that is it's funny because if you look at like the like joey gallo at his peak would probably be around like a low 800s ops guy because he's never been a batting average guy but that obp and slugging could lift him high enough to where his OPS makes up for his low batting average. Andrew Benatendi gives roughly the same offensive production, but in a way that I think Yankee fans would be more happy with. He's making more contact. He's uh, he's still getting on base at a high rate. You know, I know that it's not, and you know what, like New York has so many power hitters that they can balance out with a guy like Benatendi that isn't going to slug 400. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, um, they put Benatendi top of the lineup last night, and um, and yeah, I think I think it just it fits the roster more like they already have they already have home they, their home run hitters they already have their guys that are also gonna take walks and benintendi also is gonna take walks he's almost at a 10 percent walk rate this year um but you know him being able to get on base uh at a 383 clip um i think that's gonna play pretty well for the for the top of that lineup um i don't think it's gonna mm-hmm. be a crazy awesome move for the Yankees, but I think it's going to be a pretty, it's going to end up a pretty good move for the Yankees. It's going to be, I think I could see him. I mean, he's already had a lot of moments in the postseason uh, with the Red Sox, ironically enough, you know, 2017, he had a big game tying home run off Verlander 2016. He had a home run, like one of the few good Red Sox postseason moments that year. Yeah. 2018, you know, RBI in the world series in the first inning, he made that game saving catch in Houston he's a guy that can have some moments. He's already got a few under his belt and he's going to have a chance to get more. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. And it makes me wonder like if this goes well, um, like the potential of the Yankees signing him to a, a longer term deal um, as he is a free agent uh, upcoming. I think, I think if the Yankees win the world series this year, that will like, exponentially increase their chances of doing so because like when a team wins a world series they always try to bring back all the pieces they traded for because they only know him they only know them as you know you won us a world series like you look at the braves last year with guys like uh, adam duvall you know uh eddie rosario yeah red sox did so with like steve pierce when he won world series mvp yeah i I could see that happening for sure they signed Ivaldi back after his amazing postseason performance. Um, yeah, like uh, I mean, the Nationals signed Steven Strasburg to two hundred forty-five million dollars. Um, yeah, but that he also doesn't really fit the description of we only remember you of, from winning the World Series. But true. yes, they did do that fresh off a World Series win where he was World Series MVP. I guess they did that with more with like um, I think Daniel Hudson, Howie Kendrick. Oh, Howie Kendrick. Daniel Hudson. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Howie Kendrick, Daniel Hudson. Yeah. That's a better one. Those guys. Um, Just about every team tested, except for like maybe the Dodgers who were like, all right, see you, Jock Peterson. Yeah. (laughs) 
yeah exactly um so so yeah yankees got benintendi um should be uh should be an interesting addition and um yeah should play yeah i'm wondering yeah i'm wondering because lemahy wasn't in the lineup last night uh so i'm wondering who will be in the leadoff spot whether it will be benintendi or um lemahy i don't know how much I wasn't paying attention to the Royals. I wasn't sure how much Benintendi was leading off. Like, um, he wasn't. They they were putting Melendez in the leadoff spot a lot. Yeah, and like I just remember, um, Benintendi not having a great experience in the leadoff spot I with mean, Boston. Mm-hmm. So maybe honestly, like I mean, like number two hitter. Now that I think about it, like you could probably chalk the 393 slugging up to Kansas City. I wonder what his home road splits are because that's a really hard ballpark to hit in. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm actually on a splits page yeah. right now. Um, and I yeah, on the road at home, he slugs 368. On the road, he slugs 424. 424. Well, there um, you go. On the road, he has a 400 OBP. Yeah, he he just does better on the road, so that's a big factor. Yeah, that's that a big is a factor. huge factor. Yeah, um, because yeah, like Kansas City is a is a pretty big pitcher's ballpark. Um, it's one of the biggest. Yeah, so probably and, the biggest in the American League, I would argue. And the like, it's either that or Detroit. And the Yankees ballpark is the quite the opposite. So especially for lefties. Yeah, so I think I think that's more of a story storyline than uh, than some people are realizing. Yeah, yeah, like that that might be the biggest factor. Yeah, there's a there's a straight up, I mean, difference in OPS. There's a straight up, uh, what is it, eighty seven? Yeah, eighty seven point difference. In and we're OPS. talking about a we're talking about a a one twelve TOPS plus on the road. Right. Right um and batting position has he been leading off no yesterday yesterday, yesterday was, was his first time. time leading off this year yep. so i don't know i don't they'll probably put lemayhu back maybe they put like lemayhu lead off and then just for lefty righty purposes they put uh ben attendee then judge third yeah possibly I think that's the best i think that's the best way to do it because lemayhu does take a lot of walks as well as being a contact guy yeah, couple of, yeah, a couple of guys good, with like good lead off. Yeah, a couple of guys with like 370 plus on base percentages and then Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. Yes, who also has a 370 on base percentage. Yeah, much higher, much higher. And he brings a lot. <laughs> and he also has like impressive. a 600 slugging percentage. Yeah. <laughs> um so so uh yeah, quality addition from the New York Yankees. Who are who have the best record in baseball currently? Um, the Astros are only like two games behind them, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was noticing. Okay, that. That's way closer than I realized. Like, I think that's that's an under the radar race of like mm. of who's going to have potential if they both meet in the ALCS. Who's going to have the potential home field advantage? I mean, it could be very funny if the Yankees continue to play like 600 ball from here to the end of the season. It's still not unreasonable to think that the Astros could still come away with a one seed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is like the storyline all year has been the Yankees are playing like 
out of this world baseball. And they have, I think they've been like 500 over the last like month plus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that was before they won one nothing against Kansas City last night. But right. they, uh, there has been a little bit of a slide, which we all knew was going to happen at some point. They were going to play, they weren't going to play 700 ball all year. Yeah. Um, I remember they were. Yeah, the like... Astros are two games behind. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of wild. Yeah. Like, um, the Yankees aren't as far and away the best as they were like, yeah, a month ago, as you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. The Astros did have an opportunity though, because the Yankees lost those two subway series games. And at the same time, the Astros lost three in a row. Like they could have, they could be on top by now. True. True. Yeah. But they're not, they're not, they lost to the A's at two. Yikes. Well, Moneyball. So <laughs> Yeah. So they went. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're facing when you're facing the 2020 ALS champs. I mean, you, you got to be prepared. Yeah, they got Liam Hendricks, Marcus Simeon, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. Yeah. Of, bunch yeah, of I mean, studs over guys. there. Bunch of studs <laughs> over there in Oakland. Um, yeah. So that was not the only trade to happen in New York over the past week. Uh, the team in Queens, the New York Metropolitans, uh made some additions um it started off uh it started off with a trade that happened before actually before we were recorded last we just didn't mention it but uh daniel vogelbach uh who was a how about of of yours i think in the past month um uh yes yeah daniel vogelbach um a you know power hitting left-handed hitter um you know good very good for the dh role um you know he's not exactly going to get it done for you on defense but the Mets already have Pete Alonso at first at first base um who's gonna provide some defense I guess uh but Daniel Vogelbach, going to stay at first base yeah he's gonna catch the baseballs that come at him uh and yeah Daniel Vogelbach uh he's coming over to the Mets uh what what did you think of this uh of this deal um, a lot of people were pretty upset with the the pitcher that they gave away. I mean, I believe his name was Holderman. He was not. Um, I looked so funny enough. This trade went down when I was um, like just kind of hanging out with some of my friends. And uh, we happened to be at a Barnes and Noble. And mm-hmm. I, I noticed there was like the, the Baseball America um, like prospects handbook. So I was like, let me let me check out the guy the Mets just traded. Uh, and for reference, he actually uh, pitched for the team this year briefly. He's twenty six years old. Um, yeah, he was he, doing pretty well. He was in seventeen and two thirds innings pitched. Uh, he had a two hundred four ERA, nine point two strikeouts per nine, three point six walks per nine, a WHIP of one point one oh zero one nine. Um. Anyway, uh. I checked, I checked him out and he was not in the Mets top 30 at the beginning of the year, but uh, he's done excellent in AAA this year um, for the Mets, a 306 DRA, or sorry, wait, that's, that's uh, RA9, but it's also for the actual team for the Syracuse Mets this year, a uh, two, wow, two five one ERA, uh, 5.67 strikeout per walk. Uh, 1.3 home runs per nine could be better, but you could even chalk that up to triple A. I know those ballparks can be weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in major league baseball, 
you know, as you mentioned, he had 17 and two thirds innings pitch. He had a 288 expected ERA. Um, mm-hmm. His line drive rate was 16.7%, which is it's very good. Well below average. His pop up rate was 11.9%, which is well above average. Um, so the contact against him is pretty good. Um, his strikeout rate was above average. And yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, that's a quality reliever to give up, but I imagine maybe it's probably a thing where since he wasn't in the top 30 before the season started, they figured that maybe this success wasn't sustainable for him. Maybe he's just having a really good season and they wanted to take advantage of his success uh, while he was having it and maybe thinking, uh, maybe thinking it wasn't going to work out long-term with him. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 one like really con here for talking pros and cons is he's a 26 year old just being into the majors. Yeah. Which is not, you know, usually not ideal. Um, Colin Holderman, who we're talking about here, I, two, two observations just on his baseball reference bio. Um, one is that he is listed as a, as a relief pitcher and center fielder. Which is um, very cool. That's fun. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and like most Lorenzo. importantly, you know, being being 26 years old, you know, it's not great for a guy coming up in the majors, especially as a bullpen pitcher. You would hope that, you know, you could get a little more of that of those younger years. But he was born on a very special day. Oh, was he born on May 25th? No, he was born on October 8th, 1995. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's game five day. Game five of the Yankees Mariners. Uh, yeah, ALDS. Edgar Martinez hitting the game winning double. Doug Strange with the walk. Most importantly, Doug Strange with the walk. Man. Well, unlike the 141st pitch that David Cohn threw. It's a shame the Mets uh, let him go because he's destined for playoff moments, like clutch playoff moments. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, he's on the Pirates. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, a joke I was about to make was like, well, the, the Mets gave him to the Pirates, so they now they know he's not going to succeed <laughs> um, because the uh, pir- Pirates have had tr- a lot of trouble developing pitchers, um, is the joke there. They have, but they're also good with trading. Yeah, they can be. Like, as you mentioned, I think you mentioned uh, a little while back, like they got Brian, like they got Brian Reynolds, um, in the Andrew McCutcheon trade straight or not or mm-hmm. yeah in the Andrew McCutcheon deal you're right yeah um with what San yeah San Francisco um and yeah there's been a couple other ones so stat on the Mets concerning the uh their Daniel Vogelbach trade um the Mets from their DHs have an 80 weighted runs created plus this year. Uh, that is 27th in baseball. So this this deal makes sense because Vogelbach is kind of a prototypical DH. Um, also a DH with uh, a bit of control, I believe. Um, I think... Yes, he has. He's a free agent after the 2024 season. Yeah, so he's got uh, two more years after this uh, with with the Mets if they choose to keep him. Um, so a bit of a longer term solution to, uh, a problem that has actually appeared this year because they just started having a, a DH. <laughs> so 
uh, you know, they'll have, they'll have this DH and, uh, and yeah. So when, when you did your, how about that on a uh, Vogelbach, um, what did you particularly highlight again? Um, I mean, I can pull it up right now, but I remember talking about like how his uh, walk rate had gone up, his strikeout rate had gone down uh, during the stretch that I was referring to. Uh, let me, let me pull that thing up. Yeah. Admittedly, I've done so many of these that I don't remember specifics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can, I can. There it is. Um, he had a 225 weighted runs created plus in the span. Yeah, I talked about uh, strikeout rate being down, walk rate being up. Uh, batted balls with a certain launch angle were better. Um, sweet spot percentage was better. Uh, the career highs in several batted ball statistics, particularly power-based statistics like expected slugging, barrel rate, WOBA, ex-WOBA, uh, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in Vogelbach's last 23 games, including the games with the Mets, he's mm-hmm. hitting 286 with a 975 OPS. Uh, yeah. Also very considerable, 451 on base percentage. Um, and that is a lot because of a walk rate that is 19 divided by 82, 23.2%. Yeah. Um, That's like top of the league type stuff. Yeah. Extremely good. Extremely good. Uh, the Mets, the Mets walk rate from their DH uh, this season is 8.6%. So wow. um, Vogelbach, he's going to bring, I think he's going to bring a good amount to this uh to this Mets lineup. Um, I have to agree with you there. And and we'll see. Yeah, we'll see about Colin Holderman, what he does. Um, I think I think he's a guy that the Pirates can turn into something. I really do see the potential there. Yeah, there's there's potential. I think it could work out for both teams for sure. Um like could be one of those deals. Uh so and then uh, just yesterday, the Mets acquired Tyler Naquin. Um, I, I don't think they didn't give up anything too significant, if no. I remember correctly. I should no. double check that. Uh, they also got Philip Deal, who was, I don't think he's really relevant to the trade. I was looking at his numbers. <laughs> I think he was just a guy. This, this, this take could end up being dead wrong, but... I mean, I don't think Naquin's a huge acquisition. I don't even really see him as a guy that's going to be in the Mets' everyday lineup, uh, especially concerning me coming from the fact that he's, you know, going from Cincinnati to, to City Field. Yeah, um, like... And I could be dead wrong about that because I have not looked at his home road splits uh, until right now, and, yeah, I'm absolutely right. He's hitting 263, 340, 505, 845 at home. And 228, 268, 386, 48 on the road. So that is a substantial difference between the two. Yeah. Um, with Tyler Naquin, like, I think I could see how he could be a good addition for another team, but I don't really see how, how this is going to help the Mets. I looked at some numbers and like, yeah, he doesn't do he doesn't do well at all against lefties. He has an OPS. I think he has a 553 OPS against lefties. But you know, 806 OPS. Yeah, exactly. 806 OPS against righties. Um, and I was thinking, oh, maybe maybe this is, could be a platoon situation with like Mark Canna, but 
Marcana also has better numbers against righties. Yeah. Um, his his uh, Canna's OPS against righties is, I believe, 797. Um, and he does better against lefties than Naquin does against lefties. Um, and, you know, Naquin's gonna, not going to be replacing Braden Nimmo or... Or Starling Marte. Or Starling Marte. Um, so I guess it's a pinch hitter situation. I mean, luckily, I think... Um, like, I believe, I don't believe that either of these players were too significant, although um, the two players were 18 and 19 years old, so there is a lot of room for, for growth, and it would make sense if they weren't mm-hmm. on any list right now, but could be eventually. Um, but, like, if the Mets are smart, I don't think they'd give up anything too for Tyler Naquin. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Mets are a catcher away and maybe that, maybe that's Francisco Alvarez, but I don't think, I don't know if I want to throw him into that right there. Cause like he's, I mean, he's had his highlights in triple a, but I think overall he has kind of been struggling and that's fine. Like he's, he's still very young. Right. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's hard to rely on what a 21 or 22 year old to bolster your team to a playoff run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, I, I mean, think the Mets are a playoff team with or without Francisco Alvarez, and honestly, with the right catcher, I think they're a World Series contender with or without him. Um, he currently has a 7.28 ERA or uh, seven, yeah, ERA, an OPS of 7.28 with the with the uh, Syracuse Mets, 146 batting average. Um, the OBP and slugging are very much there though, so I'd say just more consistent uh, hitting, and that's probably the one thing they're really looking for. But uh, I mean. 13 walks in 58 plate appearances is solid. And also, uh, I mean, the slugging percentage of 366 is otherwise not good, but with a 146 batting average, it could be worse. Yeah. What would you think about the Mets potentially trading for Wilson Contreras? I mean, I think that's the go big or go home move if you're the Mets. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, with the ground, with the ground coming back, your starting rotation is just about set. Uh, Edwin Diaz alone in the bullpen just signifies your bullpen is fine and they have some solid setup pieces like Seth Lugo, Drew Smith if he comes back Adam Adovino, like I think their bullpen, I think, I mean, you know another reliever wouldn't hurt, but I think they can they can do fine with the bullpen they currently have I think the one piece they're really missing is a catcher and if they really want to go in all in this year, I think Wilson Contreras would be that move because he's the best catcher on the market Yeah, Contreras would be a major upgrade um but definitely he's 100 only going to be there this year uh there's they're not mm-hmm. the mets would be stupid to try and sign him long term because obviously the the number one prospect in baseball is their guy and he's a catcher mm-hmm. um so but yeah and he's like, also remarkably young too yes yes we so, uh, we saw him earlier this year yeah, we did at uh, what a fun time. Hartford. Um, yeah, but yeah, a great uh, day. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the yeah, I think I think um, yeah, probably not, probably not the end for the Mets in the trading department. Um, Francisco Alvarez is about to turn twenty-one years old. Nice. <laughs> that's that's absurd. He was born in November of two thousand one. Nice. Um. So yeah, that's that's sick. That's pretty lovely. Um, 
so yeah uh do we want to get into players to highlight yeah let's do it um all right so now we get into the part we've most prepared for with our players to highlight starting with our friday july 29 2022 edition of How about that? who do you have for us today so you did uh, Sean Murphy last time, and you prefaced it by saying that I'm doing an A, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I was going to do this guy next time, but I guess you got him out of the way for me. But uh, I was talking about Cole Irvin, yeah. who since July 4th has a 185 ERA, 247 FIP, and an American League leading 1.1 F war, not B war, F war, Cole, yeah. Cole Irvin, F war pitcher. How about it? Uh, his 2.4% walk rate is the best among the two, among the 74 qualifiers in the span, and his 0.26 home runs per nine is the fourth highest or the fourth lowest. Uh, and the three people above him have not given up a home run. He's given up one to Jordan Alvarez, which I mean that shouldn't even count against him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, in the span, he is throwing. He went from throwing his four seamer 32.9% of the time in June to throwing it 49.5% of the time in July. Uh, he's been decreasing both his changeup and sinker usage to throw his first four seamer more, which is very funny because uh, Cole Irvin is not a velocity guy and he's ditching his off speeds to throw yeah. it and breaking stuff to throw a fastball more. And huh. in July, opponents are batting 107 off of his four seamer with a 196 slugging percentage. Uh, that average leads the 114 pitchers with at least 25 plate appearances ending on fastballs in August er, in July. And his slugging percentage ranks eighth. And also, Chris, I know you like this stat. Uh, in the month of July, Irvin leads all AL pitchers in run value on fastballs below 91 miles an hour at negative 4.3. Yeah. <laughs> I, had to, I knew that was a Chris Giotta stat, so I had to throw it in there. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy that for sure. Uh, Cole Irvin. It's funny because you see so many guys like why why do guys even throw four seamers anymore? Like what's the point? Like a fastball that just goes straight. Yeah. When you could throw a fastball with movement. Uh Cole Irvin, it's like the last guy you'd expect to be doing so, and it's working for him. Right. Yeah. You know, for some things can be uh things can can be different for some people. Um all right. Uh my how about that i'll i'll first tell you how i found this how about that i kind of was just like i was going through uh baseball reference team pages and was like looking you know you know what teams haven't we done um i'm pretty sure we still haven't done this team but like i and then that's when i found that's when i found kind of my golden goose my guy oh boy this is it, it not only has it been doing very well but he fits he fits my mold of guys I like and that Cole Irvin mold. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at Hobie Milner out of the Brewers bullpen. Yes. Yes. Hobie Milner out of the Brewers bullpen. He's uh, for those unaware, like, you know, I kind of, I basically found out about him yesterday, to be honest with you. Um, he started his career in 2017. He's like 30 right now. So he's not necessarily a young gun, but he's really figured it out this year um he's not high velocity at all i'm looking at his savant page right now his sinker averages 88.7 miles per hour and his four seamer averages 89.1 miles per hour um so he's 
generally a below 90 mile per hour guy. Um, but he gets soft contact uh, amazingly. And in his last 17, uh, 17 appearances, not plate appearances, in his last 17 appearances, he has a 0.54 ERA, a 2.40 FIP, and a 447 OPS against in 16 and two-thirds innings pitch. Out of 183 qualifiers in the span, his ERA ranks sixth. Um, also, surprisingly enough, his strikeout rate has gone from 17% before the span to 27% in the span, a 10% increase in strikeouts, which is pretty, uh, pretty uh, amazing to see. Uh, his average exit velocity has gone from 84.4 miles per hour in the span to 79.8 miles per hour in the span. The average exit velocity on for in the league generally is like 89 miles per hour, and he's down near 79 miles per hour. Uh, out of 452 pitchers with 25 plus batted balls against them in the span, Milner has the lowest average exit velocity against out of 452. Along with that, 46.3% of the batted balls against him have been hit 80 miles per hour or less, which is the highest percentage out of 452. That's a 46.3% rate of batted balls of 80, 80 miles per hour or less. The league average is 25.7%. Um, so the league does it at like uh, a quarter. He's doing it at almost um, almost half. And uh, along with that, concerning the strikeouts from Hobie Milner, the strikeout increase, he's gone from getting the strikeout 33% of the time when he reaches two strikes to 49% of the time uh, when he reaches two strikes. So he went from about a, a third of the time when he gets to a two strike count, getting that strikeout to about half the time. Now um, he's getting the strikeout when he gets to two strikes. So Hobie Milner. Crossing so, team good stuff. Good stuff. couple things. Um, I, I had taken a quick glance at him and I was like, I just went reliever diving. I'll keep him in the back of my mind for later if he continues. Um, so you took that one off my back. Um, uh, when you say, you discovered him yesterday. Does that mean you discovered that he exists yesterday or you discovered that he's, he was good yesterday? Um, Kind of that he existed. I didn't really, I, I don't mm. know. See, that's a lie because you have a Hobie Milner memory and you don't even realize it. I do. So uh, opening day 2020, uh, you were at my house and we were watching uh, A's Angels and it was the <sighs> first game in the history of Major League Baseball to go to extra innings and have the the ghost runners on second. And the Angels did not get the run across in the in the in the tenth. And uh, the, they brought in some reliever who ended up loading the bases with zero outs. And they brought in Hobie Milner, who on the very first pitch gave up a walk off grand slam to Matt Olson. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and you and I were like dying laughing at just the very first pitch that they dude threw. And Holson just hit a tank. Yeah. Okay. You, you remember this, right? Yes, I remember. I remember that moment. I did not remember it was a uh, Hobie Milner. <laughs> but uh, the time the times are changing. I kind of want to pull up that that home run. Hobie Milner is one Hang of on. the. I'm gonna go to Savant and find that home run. Yeah, times are changing. Hobie Milner is, um, one of the most effective relievers out of the Brewers bullpen uh 
189 ERA on the year overall, 0.54 ERA in his last 17 appearances. Um, yeah. Very funny that he's been more effective than Josh Hader overall this season. Yeah, yeah. I will, you know, it is. I will say though that you know I think we talked about it last episode, but Hater, Hater like before his previous two appearances had like a one eight two ERA, and then he gave up nine runs in a third of an inning. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. Yeah. Not. Great. Yeah, that was very fun. Now he was having a Josh Hater type year, but then it was funny because he was selected to the All Star team uh, before these outings, but the All Star game was after these outings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was like it was like, hey, here's our all star with a 450 ERA. Yeah, out of the bullpen because that's just that's just how relievers work. I don't think he ended up getting used in that game, understandably. Right, right. All right, we're gonna we're gonna watch this together. So this is uh, July or July 24th, very almost the almost two years of the day, 2020. There's one out. Okay, I was wrong about there being no outs. There place. was one. Hopefully, just not. All right, so uh, base is loaded. One out, and uh, here we go. Somebody. First pitch is hit. Right field. This is going to win it. Let's just see how far it goes. And it is gone. That's a grand slam home run to walk this thing off. Matt Olson does not wait around. He hits one into the seats, and it's a 7-3 final in extra innings. Oh, my goodness. What is what is going on in two? So the first person to ever have an unearned run on uh, on actual, well, I guess technically he wasn't the first person to have an unearned run. It was the pitcher before, but the first person to give up the game-winning run, so to speak. And also, I, with the I remember runner. us rooting for the walk-off because we didn't know what a walk-off was going to look like in 2020 when, yep. like, it was encouraged to social distance and yeah. there's no fans in the stands this the way it happened was also just so funny like it was very first pitch off the new pitcher lefty lefty matchup Matt Olson just hits one to the top of that that row there yeah uh that section in right field and you and I just sat there laughing for like five minutes <laughs> and two years later he's a how about that yeah yeah that's that's a how about that in itself that's a full circle moment for sure. Yeah, if I've ever um, seen one. So now we're going from the very high highs to the uh, to the lows, where we're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming for our um, Friday, July 29, 2022 edition of... Slightly alarming. Who do you have for us today? Um, so I talked about how the Mets are a catcher way. They're actually a catcher way and a Jeff McNeil getting out of his slump away. Yeah. Uh, Jeff McNeil, since June 29th, is slashing 152, 233, 182 for a 415 OPS uh, and a 29 weighted runs created plus. His slugging percentage ranks dead last among the 174 qualifiers, and his weighted runs created plus ranks second to last. Uh, Before June 29th, he had an average exit velocity of 87.2 miles an hour, which isn't like outstanding but it's Jeff McNeil like he's never been that type of guy and in this span it is down to 83.5 miles per hour which is very bad yeah. uh, in the span 37 percent of his batted balls have an exit velocity but below 92 miles an hour or at 92 miles an hour and a launch angle above 20 degrees which if you're hitting at 20 degrees with a 
a hard hit with a exit velocity that's less than the hard hit threshold, it's not a surprise that he's over 20 on such batted balls. Ah. Uh. He's 20 such batted balls, 37% of the time, and he's over 20. Uh, that 37% ranks seventh worst among the 193 hitters with at least 50 batted balls over that span. And additionally, before the span, 14.5% of his batted balls were between 22 and 33 degrees. And in this span, it is up to 20.4 degrees. Uh, he is over 11 on such, on such occurrences. Uh, he's not hitting the ball well. And for a guy like Jeff McNeil, who makes a career off contact hitting, he's hitting the ball in the air way too much. Yeah, Jeff McNeil. Slightly alarming. Um, yeah, I also have Jeff McNeil. Um, wow. Yeah. So, uh, what I will note is from June 21 to June 27, he missed five games with a hamstring injury. And then he started having this very bad 20 game span. Uh, I, I chose June 28th as my, as my, uh, <laughs> arbitrary date. So a day off here, <laughs> one day off. Yeah. Uh, hitting... I don't think we've ever had a same player and same time threshold yeah yeah probably not um so in yeah in those 20 games hitting 159 with the 425 ops slugging an ops rank last of a, out of 173 qualifiers uh out of 201 batters with 50 plus batted balls in this span his expected woba ranks 180th um yeah average exit velocity goes from 87.3 miles per hour to 83.3 miles per hour Hard hit rate goes from 35% to 20%. And out of 201 batters, his average exit velocity uh, is fifth lowest in the span, and his hard hit rate is second lowest in the span. Um, so, yeah, Jeff McNeil from both of us getting a slightly alarming. Um, that, that was kind of like, that was kind of the, the guy that popped out for sure <laughs> um, when looking mm. at these, uh, looking at these spans who's been doing poorly yes um yeah so that does it for players to highlight for good and bad reasons and now we shall get into a preview of the week end ahead um i will be looking at series to watch Daniel we'll be looking at some of the day-by-day matchups um i have you know there's there's some series to watch for different reasons for sure um red sox brewers at fenway park red sox are you know continuously fighting to keep their playoff hopes alive pretty much funnily enough they're last place in the al east but i mean you know they're 500 it's different than being last place in the in like the nl central um and then the uh, Brewers are three games up on the Cardinals, looking to keep that distance from the Cardinals. Uh, and some interleague matchups, you know, don't you don't see the Brewers at Fenway too too often uh, until until the Last next time was 2014. Yeah, I remember. It was April of 2014. I remember yeah. uh, that was the day I devoted my hatred to Edward, Edward Mujica. Yeah, home opener. It was the first home opener the Red Sox lost in like literally like nine years because i grew up i grew up to know the red sox like it was an automatic they'd win the home opener like you just don't lose yeah. the home opener you're not allowed to no. i thought you just weren't allowed to now they like never win them i feel like yeah they didn't win it this year um they didn't win it in 2021 they didn't they did win it in 2020 
They lost it in 2019. Yep. Uh, they did win it in 2018. Uh, I don't have much memory beyond that. Yeah. They lost it in 2016. 2017, um, I'm blanking on. Oh, no, they, they won. They won, they won in, in 2017. They were playing the Pirates, so. Yeah, I mean, come on. Makes sense. Rick Porcello, opening day starter. Um, <laughs> against Garrett Cole. Against Garrett Cole. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Red Sox Brewers. Um, then you have also uh, Rays Guardians is interesting. A couple of uh, aspiring playoff teams. It's going to be a Tropicana Field. Um, Astros Mariners, um, they played recently at T-Mobile Park. Astros swept Mariners. Um, so we'll see if the Mariners can recover from that at Minute Maid Park. And uh, the last series to watch would be Padres Twins, a rare, um, rare interleague matchup. That's at uh, Petco Park. Padres looking to hold on um, to their playoff position. They're, they're kind of secure where they're at, I will say. Um, and then the Twins are looking to hold on to uh, their American League Central uh, first place standing. Uh, what do you got for the day-by-day matchups? Uh, did you move? Did you pass the ball to me? Uh, yeah, I was. I thought there okay. was a delay. <laughs> you lagged. No, you lagged. Um, so on Friday tonight, July 29th, we have. Miles Michaelis versus Anibal Sanchez, who I admittedly did not realize was still in the league. We got a – was that game one of the uh, 2019 NLDS? Um, who uh, – Miles Michaelis versus Anibal Sanchez. Um, 2019 NLDS. Uh, it was NLCS? NLCS, that's what I meant. NL – or – oh, yeah, sure Sanchez pitched game one. It absolutely is, yeah. <laughs> what a what a game one. Oh my god. I wrote... a, anyway, that's matchup of the night. We got a game one rematch. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Um how is Bailey faltering to the Phillies? I've seen that name a couple of times. Have not really checked in. Is it is he is he worth a mention in this? I mean he already got mentioned. He's pitching tonight for the Phillies against the Pirates. Spoiler alert. This page isn't quite loading right now. Uh, he, eh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, he's facing Jose Quintana. That's going to be interesting. Garrett Cole will be facing the Royals for the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Alec Manoa will be facing the Tigers for the Blue Jays at Rogers Center. Uh, Shane Bieber and Jeffrey Springs will be facing each other in Guardians Rays in Tampa. Brandon Woodruff versus Brian Bayo in the opener of Red Sox Brewers at Fenway. Madison Bumgarner versus Kyle Wright in Diamondbacks Braves. This is I love when the the Braves and Diamondbacks play each other, and it's the one time the Braves are not the first team like alphabetically in the matchup. Um. Yeah. 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 yeah it's like I'll <laughs> get get babbipped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Trying to decide on match of the night, but I guess I will not decide on Robbie Ray versus Justin Verlander. I'll go with a different one, but that is a very that was a close second place in Mariners yeah. Astros in Houston. Uh, James Caprillion versus Lance Lynn in the matchup of guys that need to get it together. 
Uh, Julio Arias versus Chad Cool in Dodgers Rockies at Coors. Martin Perez versus Patrick Sandoval in Rangers Angels in Anaheim. Did you see that graphic, by the way, that uh, that the Angels put up on their scoreboard when Jonah Heim came to the plate and said, "I'm um, like, if he ever has a daughter, he should consider naming her Anna." Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> that was very funny. Uh, ooh, Joe Ryan versus Blake Snell in Twins Padres. That is a good matchup. Could yeah. be the Chris Paddock return, but unfortunately. Uh, it was not meant to yeah. be. We're going to see a Taylor, versus... a Taylor Rogers revenge game. Yes. Uh, Marcus Stroman versus Alex Cobb in uh, Cubs versus Giants. And uh, match of the night comes from Mets Marlins in Miami. It's Chris Bassett versus Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. Anytime Sandy Alcantara faces like a top three starter in any rotation it's pretty much guaranteed to be matchup of the night because yeah yeah the, guy, the guys must watch i believe his one like not great outing over the last like two months has come against the mets nice nice anyway uh on saturday you will have Corey kluber facing the guardians his old team in which he won two cy youngs with yeah uh, for the rays hmm. You will have Zach Greinke versus Nestor Cortez in Royals Yankees. That's a fun matchup just for the they're like two two weird guys, but in very different ways. One of them is weird on the field, one of them is weird off the field. Right, right. <laughs> um, you know, can I say something? Uh, oh, the, yeah. The what's funny about Corey Kluber like facing the Guardians is like, oh, he's gonna be with all his old, old teammates, but it's like. There's barely any old teammates because yeah. they're the Guardians. No, actually, and they don't not. keep anybody. <laughs> no, none of them. I guess Jose Ramirez. Shane Bieber. I guess it's and Jose that's Ramirez. It. Shane Bieber, Jose Ramirez, yeah. and that's about it. <laughs> but yeah. And that's it, yeah. Uh, we have another homecoming. Drew Hutchinson will be facing the Blue Jays in Toronto. Big time. Big, Big time. time. I mean, I'm sure Blue Jays fans remember yes. Drew Hutchinson's service to the to Canada. Yes. Um, Eric Lauer versus Nick Pavetta in Brewers Red Sox. Carlos Carrasco will be facing the Marlins for the Mets on Saturday. Tyler Malley will be facing the Orioles for the Reds. Once again, very surprised his name has just not come up in trade talks. Uh, who? Tyler Malley. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Like, are the Mets like? There's plenty of Luis Castillo trade rumors. Nothing on Tyler Malley. Which is Weird. just odd because he is he's younger too. What's he's that? Young, he's younger than Castillo. He's younger, he has control. He's he has only two years of control. Like he's a free agent after 2023. Yeah. I'm trying to pull up his home road splits if you want to do that for me, because baseball reference is being weird. Um yeah. Chris Flexen will be facing the Astros for the Mariners. Um that's I'll say that for matchup of the night. That's a decent matchup. Paul Blackburn versus Johnny Cueto in A's White Sox. Um, Ian Anderson will be facing the Diamondbacks for the Braves. Clayton Kershaw and Kyle Freeland will be facing each other in Dodgers Rockies. I'm sure they've faced each other several times. Wow. This is very funny, but Kyle Freeland has much more played appearances versus the current Dodgers roster versus, I guess it makes sense, Clayton Kershaw versus the current Rockies roster because much of the Dodgers roster is probably the same from many years past. Yeah, yeah. Um. I guess that does make a little sense. Um, and then matchup of the day. No, it is matchup of the night. Matchup of the night comes from Twins Padres. Sonny Gray versus Joe Musgrove. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. I, I like that one. Uh, Tyler Molle, by the way, um, 494 ERA at home, 383 on the road. Uh, big difference in slugging. Uh, 453 slugging yeah, at sense. home and 318 slugging against on the road. Yeah, as well as I, as I well was... as nine nine home runs allowed at home, three on the road. All right, I'm going to try to rapid fire through Sunday. Uh, Jose Barrios will be facing the Tigers for the Blue Jays in Toronto. Andre Pallanti will be facing the Nationals for the Cardinals in D.C. Uh, Aaron Nola versus J.T. Brubaker in the finale of Phillies Pirates. Um, Jordan Montgomery will be facing the Royals for the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. You will have Shane McClanahan facing the Guardians for the Rays in Tampa. Taiwan Walker will be facing the Marlins for the Mets. George Kirby will be facing the Astros for the Mariners. Dylan Cease will be facing the uh, A's for the White Sox in Chicago. Tony Gonsolin versus Herman Marquez in Dodgers Rockies. That's a good one at Coors. Dane Dunning versus Reed Detmers. A couple of young starters that are trying to establish themselves this year. Sean Manaya will be facing the Twins for the Padres. Adrian Sampson versus Carlos Ordon in Cubs-Giants in San Francisco. And matchup of the day comes from Diamondbacks Braves. It's going to be Merrill Kelly versus Max Freed. Yeah, quality matchup. Quality matchup for sure. Uh, Merrill Kelly, yeah, surprise, surprise year this year. Low three ZRA. Freed is uh, performing like one of the better better starters in baseball. Uh, and yeah. that will do He's, he's for- one of those uh, – I mentioned um, – I mentioned uh, – Cole Irvin has only given up one home run. There are three guys that haven't. Max Freed's one of them. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't given up a home run in July, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, big time. Yeah, Max Freed has been – he's having his best year this year so far, and he was already doing very well in 2020 and 2021. Um, yeah. All right, well, that should do it for this installment of Above Replacement Radio. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, Go to our YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope to see you on Tuesday, episode 200. It's the single season's draft. We're having Rob Dickey, Bono Siddhartha, Nico Fasella back on for the single season's draft. It's going to be a big one. Big draft, episode 200. We can't wait to see you. Pause. Wow. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>